0: When we have a rough day, we just kind of look back on that and say, "Okay, we're having a rough day today, but look at what we've done. We can do this, too. And she's here with us, and she's thriving, and we're thriving. And as long as we have each other, we're okay.
1: Welcome back to a new season of Big Little Choices. This is Sri, and I'm so excited to bring you more stories, more inspiring choices, and more opportunities for all of us to learn about what other amazing women and mothers are doing. We really want this season to inspire you and to make a choice or choices that are right for you. If you've heard episodes from the previous season, I hope your takeaway was that you can make an unconventional choice, stay true to yourself and still have a happy ending. Hope you enjoy the show. In today's episode, you'll meet Jamie, who had to make an incredibly difficult decision not just for herself, but for her daughter Callie. Jamie was a military brat and grew up all over the world. She had a bit of an unusual childhood, diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was 3 years old, which meant strictly watching her blood sugar levels and taking up to 10 injections a day. And although her childhood was a little different, her parents never put any restrictions on her and did a really great job of letting her do all the things everyone else did. But it did make Jamie familiar with what it's like to have a lifelong health condition. Fast forward to her adult years, when Jamie met her husband, and they quickly decided to start a family. Jamie had a smooth pregnancy, but had Callie seven weeks before her due date. And there were many surprises to come. As soon as she was born, Callie was found to have a chronic heart condition, called Tetralogy of Flow, which meant that she needed to have an open-heart surgery immediately and a couple more over the course of her life. The surgery was successful, but pretty soon after, there was another piece of news from the doctors about Callie's health
0: this was maybe two or three weeks after she was recovering. I mean, we had a bunch of doctors coming in and out. It was hard to keep track of who was coming in and out of the room at that point, specialist after specialist, all the tests, all the nurses. And the doctor tells us that he's going to send somebody in because they'd noticed that her one of her legs was shorter than the other one. Her left leg was shorter than her right leg. And so at that point, we hadn't even noticed. She was literally the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen, even all connected to the wires, even with her big old scar that was almost as big as she was. She had 10 fingers and 10 toes and she had his blue eyes and long eyelashes and my strawberry blonde hair. I hadn't even noticed that her leg was shorter than the other. So the specialist comes in and after many, many tests and many consultations, they did let us know that her leg was shorter than the other one. She was actually missing one of the bones entirely in her leg. And so we started on that journey. So in the midst of recovering from her heart surgery, we had to start looking ahead as to what our next steps were for her to be able to figure out a way how she was going to walk and what her leg difference meant.
1: And so what were you told by the doctor, or rather, like what were the choices that you were given at that point?
0: So they... There were two, two choices, essentially. We could either do a bunch of limb lengthening surgeries where they would go in and literally try to stretch out her leg to make it somewhat close to the other one. From the way they described it, it would be very intensive, very painful, and there was no guarantee that it would work. They told us that she probably would be in the hospital for most of her childhood. And there would be almost a guarantee that the entire childhood she'd be in a wheelchair because she wouldn't be able to walk during the process. Or we could look at doing a lower limb amputation, doing an amputation about mid-calf so that she could still have her knee joint and get her fitted for a prosthetic leg when she was 18 months old. So... There's nothing that prepares you for that. (laughs) I mean, I read all of the baby books, but there's absolutely nothing that we could have done that prepares you to make that decision. There's not a checklist. There's not a guide. There's not best practice. There's just what is best for your child. And even though I did have a pretty normal childhood, I still was in the hospital a lot and I'm not a fan of it. So We met with, we luckily live in Texas, and one of the best hospitals in the country for orthotics is in Dallas, Texas. It's a Scottish Rite Hospital. They are amazing as far as any type of orthopedic and orthotic procedures go. And so we went up to get a consultation before we made the decision, and we met with, first of all, just walking into the hospital, I was blown away. Um, it's one of the most inviting places we normally (laughs) when we go up there we have to drag Callie out of it because she likes going so much they have popcorn for the kids they have wagons that the kids get to ride in they have playgrounds inside the building for the kids to play on just from that alone the hospital is very inviting and very homey and the staff is amazing so we met with Dr. Johnston who's been with Callie since we did this and we kind of walked through the options as far as what an amputation would entail, what a prosthetic leg would entail, um, a treatment plan from pretty much start to finish, you know, the, the surgery, the recovery time, the getting fitted for the leg. And they put us in contact with a few families that we got to talk to. And one of the families, the little girl, she was a about ten ish, I believe, and she was a double amputee. She was more graceful on both of those prosthetics than I am with my own two feet. <laughs> so she was just so full of life and didn't let anything stop her. And I think it was meeting that family and going to the hospital and seeing I mean there were other kids up there with prosthetics, whether it be, you know, an an arm amputation or a, a leg or even both legs that were so full of life and walking and it didn't look as upsetting as i thought it was going to be and so i think at that point we were a little bit more comfortable and on the same page as okay i think this is what we're gonna do i think this is the path we're gonna take we're gonna we're gonna start her out young so that the only thing she knows is that prosthetic so she can grow and flourish just the way she was made
1: at any point during this decision making process did you ever feel like maybe we should have just stuck with the other choice of trying to lengthen out her leg and the multiple doctor's visits that would come with it? Or were you both fairly clear about the fact that amputating and getting her fitted with a prosthetic was the right way to go?
0: I think if they'd have been a little bit more positive, we might have had some more doubts. But we had tried, um, we actually went to Shriners Hospital in Houston, where they tried to kind of fashion a, made a little shoe with a giant block on the end of it and a brace to try and maybe simulate what what her life would look like and she just it was such a struggle and they kept telling us we don't know if this is going to work we might have to amputate anyway and so I just in the back of my mind thinking I'm going to put her through all of this and then when she's 10 11 12 I'm going to end up ampu we're going to end up amputating then and I, I just we we couldn't do it we couldn't do it we said nope we're gonna we're gonna do it now that way from the get-go she can grow up like this and she can adapt this way and it's we won't have to have that life-altering change in 13 years to where there's that crushing blow of it didn't work
1: so when you're making such a big decision for your child right it's not just something that's affecting you but it's really affecting them for the rest of their lives what is it like to have that that responsibility, and in some ways, the burden of making such a big choice for your child when she didn't have a say in it at all?
0: I mean, it's hard. It's still hard because now we're at the age where she asks, why? Why me, mama? I let her let me carry that, if that makes sense. I carry that for her. So she doesn't have to carry that burden. So she's upset. I let her give that to me and I carry it for her. Then I look at her and I see everything that she's doing and she wouldn't have been able to do that if we hadn't made that choice. So that gives me a little bit of comfort when we do have those hard days where she does or she doesn't understand or she has a, she has a day where somebody maybe points at her or they maybe ask her a question and hurt her feelings. So when we have days like that, then, I, then I'm a little bit more comforted by the fact that we have some pretty amazing days too because we made this decision.
1: When do you appreciate everything that you've done? Or rather, what are the days where you feel like you've made the right
0: choice for Callie? When she's running around just like everybody else. When she's riding her horse. When somebody does ask her about her leg and I see the amount of courage and strength and grace that she answers their questions with. When we're able to inspire others not to give up when we can be the family that somebody talks to because they have a big decision to make and they want to talk to somebody that's walked in that, walked that path before them. I think those are all the times where I know we've made the right decision.
1: So can you talk to me a little bit more about that? The other choices you've had to make along the way to make sure that Callie still had access to all the opportunities that you would have liked her to have to have all of these experiences. It's pretty incredible that she rides her horse and just being able to function and live like any other little girl would have liked to.
0: We, I mean, it's going to sound terrible, but we never tell her no when it comes. Let me rephrase that. We never tell her no when it comes to doing something. She gets told no plenty of times. (laughs) She, if she wants to do something, then we figure out a way to do it. Um, Whether it be, I want to, We took a cruise a little while ago and she wanted to go to the pool. And so, okay, we're going to go to the pool. Here's how we're going to do this. Here's what we're going to do with your leg. I mean, she's been riding horses since she was five. So we just had to figure out a way to do that. And so I think adapting and not putting any type of limitations on her helps with that. It might mean a little bit more planning or a little bit more decisions for us to kind of make along the way. And I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There have been several times where I'm like, well, let's just sit this one out because I think it's I think it's going to be hard. But then it's one of those gut check moments where I'm like, no, we're not going to sit this out because it's going to be a little bit difficult. We're going to do it and we're going to do it the way we need to do it so she can participate. The perfect example is field day for her. That's a very difficult experience sometimes because the stuff that they do at her school is not very adaptive. And so most of the time, either my husband or I go up with her and we're up there on the (laughs) rides and stuff with her. We're in the bouncy castle. We are taking our shoes off and running in the sack race with her. So I think making those conscious decisions not to have her sit out and not to put any limitations on her, those little decisions make it it gets a little bit easier to make those.
1: So, do you ever feel like you overcompensate given her condition?
0: Yes, we most definitely do. I feel like sometimes I, I mean, they, my family, my friends, my coworkers, they call me Mama Bear, and that's how I am with her. I mean, I feel like I sometimes am very overprotective and I'm very, we need to do it this way for Callie and we need to do this for Callie. And sometimes I feel like we don't let her fail. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with I'm okay with being a little bit more protective of her and being a little bit more helicopter mom with her um, for now.
1: And how do you think that has affected your relationship with her outside of being like mama bear? Like, are you her buddy? Like, what is that relationship like?
0: She is a mini-me. She is exactly like me, but shrunk. She is a little, pint-sized, sarcastic, sassy version of myself. She and I are very similar. It's funny, she takes on almost a mothering role to me with my diabetes, too. So she will make sure I'm okay. She will get my glucose tabs. If I say I'm not feeling good, and granted, I'm sure this is because she doesn't want to go to school, but she'll tell me, well, maybe I need to stay home with you, mama, because you're not feeling well. But she almost takes on the caregiver role and flips the roles on us when it comes to my diabetes. So I see a lot of myself in her. And then on the other hand, she has got her daddy's driven, empathetic I mean, she's she's a perfect combination of the two of us, I think. My son
1: was in the NICU for three days when he was about four days old. And I still feel anxious thinking about how they stuck a catheter and did a spinal tap on him. So for Jamie to see her child go through a medical procedure like an amputation and the subsequent healing and treatments must have been a really emotional and scary process. Luckily, she and her husband had family close by in Dallas who fully supported their decision and not only helped during the amputation surgery, but watched Callie when she couldn't go to a daycare and learned how to put on her prosthetic as well.
0: You almost go through a grief period afterwards because you imagine this Different life when you're pregnant. You imagine how your life is going to play out. And then it turns out that your life is going to go a completely different way. And to you almost mourn what you thought you were going to have. And so to have family that were there to help you kind of talk through it and just the simple things like reminding you to take care of yourself and reminding you to eat. And I mean, bless my mom's heart, she would come over and do laundry because I was we were such a mess that we couldn't even do our laundry, <laughs> you know. And I mean my mom would come do our laundry for me. And the support that they gave was phenomenal, not just from her amputation, but for pretty much since we've had her.
1: Oftentimes in life we envision something that we're going to have, right? A child, a career, a marriage, whatever it might be. But then often it ends up not being what we initially had in mind. And I think the piece of grief is so important there because we need to take time to mourn something and move on to whatever we have next. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about about that from you of, you know, the process of, understanding that Callie was going to be different from what you originally had in mind, and then going through this piece of grief and mourning and then coming out on the other side, feeling stronger and feeling more inspired to make the most of what you had.
0: Yeah, most definitely. So like I said, you imagine you imagine this big, beautiful life and you imagine this path that you're gonna be on and then it's almost like somebody comes along and sidelines you and is like nope we're gonna put you on this path where you didn't have any preparation for it you didn't have there's no guidebooks for it you didn't read any manuals about it but surprise here you are and I think that there there is a mourning period and there and I think it's one of those where you might have several of them as you go through different periods of life that's okay. It took me a long time to figure out that that's okay. It's okay to be upset about it. It's not okay to wallow in it, but it's okay to grieve. It's okay to hurt for that. It's okay to be sad for that. But then it's one of those things where flowers are pretty, but so are sunsets. I don't have to have a flower because I have a sunset. And I think that finding beauty in what we have and celebrating the the triumphs that we've done they might be different than everybody else's you know what i mean she didn't she didn't get to walk until she was almost 2 but it was literally my heart almost exploded with how amazing it was when i got to see her for the first time was i upset that it wasn't when everybody else was walking sure but it that didn't take away from the fact that what she did was amazing it's one of those things where i think finding the triumphs and finding the joy and finding the, the beautiful things in your life, that's where that comes in. This might not be the garden I thought I was going to be planted in, but we're definitely going to bloom in the garden we were planted in, and we're going to make the best of what we have, and we're going to raise a beautiful little wildflower for sure.
1: That's amazing. That's such an incredible and positive perspective to have about life. I'm assuming that along the way, as you've had to make all of these difficult decisions for Callie, like there's certain things you've had to do for yourself as well, or were they in terms of how you chose to spend your, you know, if you get any free time or the kinds of people you wanted to spend your time with, were there any choices you had to make for yourself and or your husband?
0: He and I, from the get-go, agreed that she would be first priority, so... It's only been very recently, and it's almost like uh, we've been holding our breath for the last, gosh, how long? 10 years now? Um, But now with her second heart surgery, I feel like we are hitting our stride, and we can almost kind of breathe because it's almost like we are kind of jogging and running now, whereas before we were almost kind of like crawling and learning how to walk. And now I feel like, okay, we're kind kind of jogging through this now. We can we can breathe a little bit better. She is growing. Her heart surgery has made her so much stronger to where her energy is 900 times more. She's not getting as sick as much because her heart's so much stronger. She's much better with her prosthetics now. And so I feel like now I've almost kind of refound myself and we've refound ourselves to where we are going on little weekend getaways now. And we are having movie dates with our friends and going out to dinner and that type of thing and really taking, I mean, I'm riding again, which it's been years since I've been able to kind of devote time to that. So I think now we've kind of hit a good stride.
1: I cannot imagine how difficult it must have been for Jamie and her husband to have made this choice. I often find myself anxious about the daily details. How much lunch did my son eat? Is he learning fast enough? Is his preschool right for him? And then I hear a story like this which gives me perspective about what truly matters. Yes, lunch boxes, school activities, daily bedtime are all important, but it's even more important not to get bogged down or anxious by these details. Instead, what I learned from Jamie is that finding joy in what we have and making the most of what we've been given could really help us live our best lives. I was so inspired by this conversation. As you can tell, Jamie is incredibly strong, gracious, and unapologetically focused on making choices that are right for Callie. We wrapped up our chat with her thoughts on how she gets through the rough days and how she finds courage to keep moving forward.
0: When when we do have those rough days, we kind of look at each other and go, but she's here. She's here and we're here because when she was born, the only thing we were focused on was getting out of the hospital. And so to look back on all that we've been through and all that we've done and survived and triumphed over. When we have a rough day, we just kind of look back on that and say, okay, we're having a rough day today, but look at what we've done. We can do this too. And she's here with us and she's thriving and we're thriving. And as long as we have each other, we're okay.
1: What are your final thoughts on making a bold choice? And in your case, bold, unconventional, scary, so many emotions attached to it. How do you find that courage? Making a bold choice, sticking with it and making sure that, you know, there's no regrets. You just move forward and try and find the best life possible for yourself and
0: your family. So I, I think in all aspects, and I think this is for any mother really or any parent, um, we're our children's North Star. Like They are looking to us for guidance for everything. And so as long as every decision that we've made has been in her best interest, that gives me courage. She gives me courage because everything that she's done, I, I can make a tough decision because of that. Because she's way tougher than I am, <laughs> like hands down way tougher than I am. And so just reminding myself that I'm her guiding light, we are her North Star. Everything that she models and learns and sees is gonna come from us, that kind of guides us. And so as long as we keep that in the back of our mind, I think we're gonna be okay. Our family motto is have courage and be kind. And that's what we stick to. You be brave and you be nice and everything will work out okay.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another interview. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about, let me know.